0: Good evening to all of you and greetings in the precious name of Jesus. That phrase, we oftentimes say it, but do we really mean it? We're coming together in the precious name of Jesus. I greet you in the precious name of Jesus. All right. How did you do on your homework? Ah, you forgot. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. If you would please turn to that and as you find it you may stand up and let's read it together when everybody has it ready. Colossians 3 1 through 3 very familiar verses. I just want to rivet them in your mind and help you to think about that meditate about that. Regarding this week of meetings. All right, is everyone ready? Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Here we go. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. God bless you. You may be seated. I pray that those verses, as you meditate on them, memorize them, it's the process of hiding them in your heart and making them part of you so that you think about them and process what it's saying and what it's teaching us. I don't know for sure what all sermons I'll be using this week, and for that reason I ask you to pray, because... Um, as I told you last night, I don't feel like there's any shortage of material to preach on from the Word of God. One of the messages that when I started preaching, um, especially traveling, I, I made a, a, a vow to God that every congregation that I would preach to, I felt like I needed to bring a message on the concept or the idea or the understanding regarding moral purity. And so I expect to have a message on that this week. I'm not sure exactly when. Of course, there's many other things to preach about also. And um, I'm not sure exactly what order everything will be in. So pray for me. I would really, really covet your prayers. Take your Bibles for tonight and turn with me to John chapter 7. I've entitled the message, The Satisfied Soul. To be satisfied means to to make happy or pleased, to gratify to the full. That is the idea. Tonight the message has to do with salvation, and what does salvation do? What are we talking about? We use terminology that sometimes we don't give a lot of thought to. We've heard it said so many times that we don't even think about it. But when we're talking about salvation, we're talking about the salvation, the eternal salvation of the soul. We're talking about rescue from sin, rescuing from the habit of sin, finding contentment in Christ and peace and joy. In the Holy Ghost. Contentment, I think, is the state of being satisfied. And so a contented attitude is a feeling or a showing of satisfaction with what you have or what you are. It's important. So I'm asking you the question tonight about the satisfied soul that is yours. That you will someday give account to God. And I would tell you at the outset that I want to give you an opportunity tonight. If you're here and you have an emptiness on the inside and you want it to be filled, you want to empty yourself of yourself and turn to Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. So, so I, I just want you to think about that. In John chapter 7, verse 37 it starts out in the last day, that great day of the feast. And I was reading about that today. And I'm not sure I understand everything about this. But if I understand rightly, uh, one place I read, they said perhaps it was the last day, the very last day of the feast, which it says. And at that time, they would sometimes take water in a golden vial, a golden pitcher of some sort. And they would collect that water and they would pour Water and wine on the sacrifice, that great day of the feast, the last day. I don't know if that's correct or not for sure, but it was intriguing to me. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried. I take from that that he raised his voice. He made himself heard so people could understand what he said. And here's what he said. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Get the picture. If this was the great day, it was the sacrifice day, I think. And they were offering something special. And as they were offering this something special, here was the fulfillment of that very type that they may have known nothing about. They had not rejected just another man. They had rejected Jesus as the Son of God. Many of the Jewish people did. And he stands and cries. He could probably not keep silent He is the great one, the one who can offer himself for our sins. It seems to me that some people in our culture live their whole life without being satisfied in Christ. They may go to church. They might read their Bible and even pray. But I wonder sometimes how satisfied people are. I wonder. I wonder if they've found that satisfaction on the inside. In Isaiah 12, it says that with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy. I've got a bunch of scriptures. I'm just going to quote them to you because I... I I want to pay attention to the clock a bit. In Isaiah 58 and verse 11, it says, The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. Y'all know what drought is here. Sometimes it doesn't rain too much in Nebraska. We have annual rainfall uh, between 24 and 28 inches a year. I'm not sure how much y'all have here, but if it comes at the right time, we're okay. But sometimes it doesn't. Here he's talking about satisfying your soul in the drought. Sometimes you go through a period of time. And I was visiting with a brother tonight a little bit over our meal. There's some times that we go through that are very, very difficult. It feels like a drought. God can satisfy my soul in that drought. In Psalm 36, it says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Fatness there has to do with the excess, that which is abundant. In Psalm 65, it says, We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple, like the brother talked about. In John chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall Never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 6 35 says, I am the bread of life, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Brethren and sisters, I wonder, have you found that to be true in your own life? I'm just asking. He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Folks, I have a concern that's kind of a side trail here to think about, and that is among our American conservative Mennonite people. I'm concerned about some things that have to do with lack of what it seems like a lack of, of spiritual satisfaction. I'm not sure I always understand it. Why isn't there some stability Why is it that people are always looking for something new and different? I don't know if I understand that. Where is the satisfaction of soul? Where is it at? Have you found Jesus and you wouldn't let go for anything? Have you truly found him to be that which satisfies I'm troubled by some of the unrest and the undisciplined commotion of some of our people. It bothers me. Because we claim that we have the answer and we say Jesus is the answer. But we sometimes don't live like it. I'm I'm preaching to myself, folks. See, if these things are truly... Evidence of dissatisfaction, then what's the problem? What's gone wrong? Why isn't satisfaction and joy of the Lord demonstrated? I know there's sometimes arguing and there's quarreling and there can be some fighting. Not good. Not good. I feel like that we've done quite well in communicating doctrinal positions. I really do feel like that our people have in many, many cases. Not all, but in many cases. We do a good job with some of the things like the headship veiling. Sometimes we struggle with headship. We've taught that when we have our communion service, we... We do a feet washing, too. But we struggle sometimes with a prideful attitude and lack of humility because I have an opinion and, buddy, I'm going to be heard. Whoops. Nonconformity, at times, we, we fail to connect the dots real good. We try to live it out. This concept of non resistance. We're faithful in refusing to go to war, to sign up for the military and all. But sometimes we refuse to lay our own opinions down. We use them as weapons at times. Not good. To me that evidence of dissatisfaction on the inside, I'm afraid. Sometimes it's against my brother. I'm not willing to go to war to kill. But my tongue is a sharp sword. We're good about some other things. I could go on and on and on. That's not my subject. but I think these might be side evidences of some dissatisfaction on the inside. If you've truly found Jesus to be the answer to your soul. Ought it not touch your spirit, your attitude? I think it should. I take comfort in what Jeremiah was told by God in Jeremiah 1. If you want to t- turn to it, you can. In verse 6, Jeremiah was, he was kind of scared. He was a little bit troubled. But I take comfort in what God told Jeremiah. He said in verse 6, uh, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. I can't say what you want me to say. The Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, I don't have anybody in mind when I say this in this congregation at all. But I've preached in some uncomfortable situations and people's faces can be kind of intimidating. And when you're a preacher, you understand that because you know what's on the next paragraph that you're about to say. And you already see the scowl. Again, I'm not referring to anybody here, but you understand? Sometimes, you know, sometimes the message that the brother has, he's... He's called to deliver it, and he prayed to God, and he asked God, God, show me. I don't know what to preach about. Show me, Lord. He's satisfied when he comes that God has delivered to him a message. And then he says what's on his heart, and it's, it's hard. So Jeremiah struggled with that, too. But I believe Jeremiah found a satisfaction with God that he said, listen it doesn't matter. You see the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me in verse 9, behold I have put my words in thy mouth see I have set the set I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Uh, now folks, I'm not like Jeremiah. I'm not trying to lift myself up to the to the level of Jeremiah not at all. But I'm just saying folks, That there were some people in Israel's day that Jeremiah had to preach to. And he was kind of nervous. Because those people were not satisfied with God Jehovah. They were prancing around looking all over trying to find something more. They were not satisfied. They did not find satisfaction many times. I'm just trying to make some analogies folks. You listen to me be patient with me till I get to the end we're gonna connect all the dots. I'm gonna try. There was a time, I, I, I didn't grow up in the kind of setting that some of you have. I, I, I was always taught, my parents taught me, you be very respectful of, of people who have a more conservative viewpoint than you do. My father always taught us that, and mother, And I always thought that those people that that I would have referred to as conservative would have been very godly people. I was taught to respect them greatly. You don't know how hard it was for me when I discovered that that's not always true. It was difficult for me because I was taught that those people know the Lord better than you do, David, so you be careful. And so I treated it with great respect. But there was a time when I felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath me. I thought those people had found something that I didn't know about. I wanted to hear what they had. There was a period of time in my history where Our church withdrew from the conference, and it was back in 1968 over divorce and remarriage. Our conferences may have done a good job in withdrawing, and we've done a good job keeping certain things intact, and that's good. But folks, I'm wondering about the personal inner spiritual satisfaction that you're finding in Christ today it's all right to take the right doctrinal positions. You should. I should. There's no room for anything else. But folks, it's troubling to me. I'll never forget I don't think I will. Preached a message at home and there were some visitors there that Sunday and we always go to the back and as the people file out we greet them, shake hands. This one man was standing back there and I guess there was an important football game that he was very impressed with. And he caught his buddy, who was also a visitor, and they were standing there discussing the game. Why is it that the Super Bowl even matters to the godly? I'm just asking. Why is it that some people can name the league's MVP, most valuable player, but they can't quote their Sunday school verse? In fact, they don't even know what the Sunday school lesson's about. Why is it? Why is it? Why is it that You'll spend several hundred dollars on equipment that you need for skiing or hunting or whatever. But you'll miss special meetings at your church. Why? Again, I'm just asking. Why is it that you've got a CD collection of all the latest? You wouldn't want certain people in the church to know about that, but um, so you keep it under wraps. Why? Again, I'm just asking. Why is it easy to fall asleep during your prayer time? I, 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 maybe you don't. I, I, good. That's good. I'm glad. Why is it that you can? Why you can say how many pounds of nitrogen and phosphate and potash the corn needs to produce a bushel of corn, or you need so much of this in your feed for your dairy cattle? You can't find the book of Habakkuk in your Bible. I know we don't preach out of that book very often. That's why I chose that one. Why is it that you're not disappointed when you get home from work late and "Ah, you just don't have time? You can't go. You're so tired. I just can't get to church tonight. But you'll drive 30 hours straight through to go for Elkharton. And then you'll climb up and down some mountain and chase some animal that can outrun you by how far? I'm, I'm not opposed to hunting. I'm just asking, though, what about our values on the inside? I'm just wondering about that. It, you, you may not be able to take an afternoon off to go with your son to Take him to the neighbor's pond to go fishing, but you'll spend $2,500 to get to one of those pristine lakes up north. I, I, I'm just asking us to think about the satisfaction of soul on the inside that you have. Now, again, is it wrong to go fishing? No. No, it's not. It's not. Please hear what I'm saying. Why is it that you never miss listening to the latest gossip when you're in the local... Co- Now, who did you say that was? But you can't stay awake to hear the entire Sunday morning sermon. Why? In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content." Folks, there's sometimes we get that standing on its head. We may say that we believe this passage of scriptures, but our lives might tell a different story. Sometimes our spiritual discontentment is brought on by an inner desire for something else. What I really want to do. In Isaiah 58 11. I already quoted this, but I want to repeat it. It says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Folks, you know what context that verse comes from? Fasting and prayer. And shame on me as well as shame on you if we don't practice fasting and prayer at times to seek God's will and seek God's face. God said, I'll guide you. You seek for me with all your heart. I'll satisfy your soul in the drought. Dry soil cracks. There's a moisture content that's lower than good. It needs water. Water. Drought, it's a period of dryness, especially if it's prolonged. Just needs one thing, water. That's all. Why does a plant need water? Well, the reason is because it's made up mostly of water. All living organisms consist mostly of water. Some grasses are as high as 95% water. They're plants too, you know. What's man's most lasting component? The Spiritual water. The spiritual man. Yes, the everlasting gospel is intended to address the inner vacuum, the empty hollow that echoes on the inside when you lay down and you try to go to sleep and your conscience is bothering you. Doctors tell us how important it is to have healthy bones. But you can't have healthy spiritual structure without healthy spiritual water. Jesus Christ is that water. I want you to know tonight, folks, that you can do all you can do to satisfy that emptiness on the inside. You can run from hither to yon, and you'll never find anything that can fill that like Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus came to this world to die for your sins and for my sins. He gave himself on Calvary because he loved us. He said, man needs to be reconciled to God. Jesus said, I'll go. I'll give myself for those people. Waters that fail are unfortunate because that means that life is going to suffer. But Jesus Christ has never failed. He never fails us, folks. But we fail him. Once in a while, we do. And if you're failing him tonight, I would urge you to repent. Confess that to God. Empty yourself of yourself and say, Lord, fill me with that water of life. Drought is a circumstance It's very difficult in Nebraska in the 1930s. There was a time of very little rain. Nebraska was sitting on one of the largest aquifers underground in the whole world. And they didn't know it. We have a lot of irrigation Boys, irrigation wells that have like 8 or 10-inch throw, and that pipe full, an 8-inch pipe that's clear full of water, is a 1,000 gallons a minute. And that's just routine out there. We do a lot of it. I like the analogy. There sits Nebraska out there in the 1930s. Underneath, there's all kinds of water, but they had walnut groves of trees. They had orchards that because of the extreme drought conditions, the ground would crack and there would be large cracks in the ground, and then the frost with the cold that we get would go way down and get to the roots and kill the tree. I wonder what your soil moisture is in your heart. I just wonder. In Psalm 36, it says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. I wonder if you know what it means to wake up in the morning and desire to get into God's Word and open it up and read it and study it and to meditate on it and to think about it and ask God, God, show me, I want to know what it is that you want to teach me today. I wonder if you know that you've been abundantly satisfied with the fatness of God's house. In Psalm 65, I wonder, it says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. It says further in Psalm 36, why don't we turn to that? Let's do Psalm 36. It's a beautiful Psalm. Teaches us about what it's like to rest in God and to be, be satisfied with His goodness. I want you to notice verse 7. It says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the water of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. I take from that verse that in order to understand God's light, you need to live in that light. It goes on further, and it ends up in verse 11 there and says, let not the foot of pride come against me. Let me never feel like that I can do without God. Let me never feel like I can handle this life alone. I don't need God. Never forget, I was traveling, I think, coming back from Oregon and Tried to get on an earlier flight, and Kia was in line. She wanted to get on an earlier flight, too. Never met this person in my life. She wanted to know if I wanted to contribute to her cause, and I said, well, um, tell me, what is your cause? She was in the process of rescuing sacred streams out of England. I'm not sure what that meant. So I asked her, of course, and I found out that this poor lady, who was an attorney, she had been an attorney in the Clinton administration, was prepared to go before the Supreme Court. So she was an efficient lawyer, I'm confident, and very confident also herself, but she had nothing regarding spiritual truth. And so I told her about the Lord. She told me about her New Age religion. and It was nothing but emptiness. I said, Kia, Kia, what if I'm right and you're wrong? I told her about Jesus. She said, you sound just like that old-fashioned Baptist preacher from Casper, Wyoming, that used to preach to us, and he was a hellfire preacher. I said, what did that mean? She said, well, it, he really shouted. I don't, am I shouting? <laughs> so I told her about the Lord. You know what? I could tell she wasn't satisfied. A tear started coming out of her eyes. I said, Kia, if you stand before God, listen, if you ever stood before the Supreme Court, you were ready to go in there and you was ready to argue before the Supreme Court on your case, you knew you had to cover every scenario in your mind before you ever walked in there. And if you weren't prepared, you were going to lose and you know I'm right. She said, that's right. I said, now you listen to me. What if I'm right and you're wrong? What if there is a God You haven't covered that base. And I appealed to her to think about that. Listen, if you're here tonight. You do not have inner satisfaction. You do not have inner peace. It says in verse 11. Let not the foot of pride come against me. And let not the hand of the wicked remove me. And that means let not the hand of the wicked shake me. What will my friends say if I come to Jesus? What if I admit that I need help? Listen. God says, you shall be abundantly satisfied if you come to him. That's what it says in verse 8. Have you found the excellency of God's loving kindness? Do you make this your search? Are you abundantly satisfied on the inside? I'm just asking you to think about that tonight. In John chapter 4 and verse 14. Please turn there. I know we read this or I've quoted this verse already. Read it actually off of my notes. But In John chapter 4. Jesus was talking with the woman at the well. And she was a Samaritan woman. She needed the gospel just like I Jesus said, you're going to come to this? I'm putting it in my own words because of the time. You, you, you come to this well often. But I, if you'd ask me, I could give you water that you'd never thirst again. She said, oh my, I'd like to have that because I get tired of coming to this well. I always got to carry water. She wasn't thinking of the water that Jesus was talking about. Jesus described the water in verse 14. Now, let's go to verse verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You'll have to come back for another glass of water. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Folks, Jesus here, without a doubt, Is referring to his own teaching. His grace and his spirit. And the benefits which come to the soul. When you embrace the gospel of Christ. The soul by nature is like a desert. (laughs) Like a traveler. Wandering. Wandering through the desert. The desert has no abundance of water. You're thirsting for happiness. You're seeking it everywhere. You can't find it. You might try music. You might try drugs. You might try alcohol. You might try technology. You might try pornography. You might try wealth. You might try popularity, but there's not one thing that will satisfy your soul. Because Jesus needs to, first of all, remove from your your sins. And he can't do that until you repent in humility and say, God, I need help. I need a savior. Save me from myself. You're thirsting for happiness. You're seeking it everywhere. You're chasing all over for it. You can't find it. Jesus is here teaching that if there's a well of water springing up within the man, he won't be looking for any more water. He will have found that which satisfies. There's no longer a desire for another satisfaction because he has found the satisfaction that truly fills him. There's no inner longing for other things. The things of life will grow strangely dim, the song says. There's not a sense of want any longer because the want is now satisfied within by the water that Jesus gives. I wonder if you know Jesus tonight. He who drinks of this water is no longer seeking other objects for satisfaction. He has found the object of satisfaction Oh, they'll chase after football games, they'll chase after basketball games, they'll chase after new cars, they'll chase after farms, they'll chase, you name it. They want to be entertained, kind of sung to sleep sometimes. But they can't deny the disquieting feeling within their own soul. But you come to Jesus. You repent of yourself. You feed yourself upon the word of God. And I'm telling you folks. There's a special satisfaction. That I can't really explain to you. But you ought to try it. I'm trying to explain it. The grace of Christ. Is now within the man. And the satisfaction comes. From deep inside of his very being. The longing for physical excitement. That produces nothing but emptiness. And you'll be empty at the end of that ordeal. And then you'll be looking for something else. But now he can enjoy an inner grace. That produces an inner peace. Even when around him. Circumstances are very difficult. He's found meaning in life. His very existence. He thought was futile. But now. He found peace and rest. The satisfaction of a quenched thirst is his. Last night I I gave you the three philosophical questions a man has been asking since time began. Who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? He now understands. He used to need external possessions and objects and things to keep him happy. Jesus contrasts the water in Jacob's well with the water that he can give. The water Jesus speaks of is in him, in Christ. A well of water springing up. Not a stagnant pool. Not even underground aquifer that you have to pump it 200 feet up out of the ground. No. It's an ever-living fountain that bubbles forth. With joy the external circumstances may not be nice some of us have gone through some of them some of you are going through difficult circumstances now but god provides he can provide us with a joy he can give us hunger during our thirsty time he can give us Thirstiness in our hungry time. And he can fill it all. And satisfy it all. And that's why. Robert Williams. The man that my father. Worked with a lot. He was a murderer. We went to. We went to. The jail one day. And sang for him. And one of the brethren preached a message. and Robert sat right up here. right at at your spot there brother and he was just an angry bitter man that just glared at us while we sang the gospel I don't remember what we sang I don't remember what the message was we came back two weeks later you know I, I messed up my story he was sitting back there And he was as angry as could be. And the next time we came, he was sitting right up here. And he had a big old smile on his face. And we all said to the chaplain, what happened to Robert? He said he came to know the Lord. He did. So we went and shook his head and talked to him. He said, I've found a joy. He said, I'm as free as I've ever been in my life. And then it was time for execution. local so-called Christian or Christian Christian station went and interviewed him. And I heard the tape later. This interviewer said, Robert, uh, you're going to be dying here unless something happens. The Supreme Court stops it or something. But uh, You're just sitting there calm as can be. How can that be? said, I think if if it was me, I'd be fidgety and scared. He said, that's because you don't know my Jesus. He was right. He was right. He had found an inner satisfaction that he hadn't had a few weeks prior. I wonder if you have that ever-flowing, bubbling fountain of life springing up from your most inner being. Like Jesus said, your, the belly, the inner being. O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Through death into life everlasting, He passed and we follow him there. Or us sin no more hath dominion for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you. He promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to the world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, wait a minute, I'm getting it turned around. With the mouth, I got to get it right. 10, 9, and 10. I got it right here. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 11. i got to turn to this one because I can't quote it at all. Seventeen eleven. Listen to it. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it to you. As a partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so is he that getteth riches and not by right, and shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. Listen, the Bible would call you a fool if you ignore God's remedy for sin. Here you have something that's prepared and ready but you turn your back on it. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's satisfaction, folks. Then he also said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. If you're here tonight, and you have not found that rest in your soul, I would like you to think about that seriously. Now, probably most of you understand and know the peace and inner satisfaction. I don't want to disturb anyone's peace. But if you're here and you truly have an emptiness on the inside that needs to be filled with Jesus, I know there's somebody here that can help you to find that peace and joy.